Hello and welcome to this episode of Good Listener, the podcast hosted by two kind-hearted, generous, emotionally available, sweet baby boys who are always there to listen if you need them. It's a show about music, which no one has done before, least of all us, to my knowledge. I am one of the sweet baby boys. Sweet baby boys. My name is Randy, and with me, as always, is my co-host, uh, C Major. It's Clay. Uh, hello, <laughs> and welcome to the podcast. That I still didn't prepare anything to, to say at the top of the show. Sure, I sort of bungled the intro too. I was trying to slow myself down. I had the urge to go just as fast as I did last week, but I was trying to listen to your note, take it seriously, take it to heart. Yeah, same as same as last week. I think we could workshop it. We just, you know, we didn't talk about it at all. Yeah, we did not do any workshopping. Workshopping we was promised. We had a lot of work to executed. do this week. I mean, I've been super busy just yeah. turning my brain into mush, listening to all these live albums from 2020, That which was your idea. It was a good idea. Yeah, uh, possibly too many. A lot of people are saying it's a good idea that we listened to all of the live albums that come out in 2020, and I listened to... <laughs> and we didn't miss a single one. We listened to all of them. Uh, you know, I, I listened to most of the ones that interested me, um, like... 17 full live projects i listened to and then bits of some other ones that i just didn't have the time or energy to sit through and you know doing all that it it did get to the point especially yesterday saturday when i was really just churning through them um you know sat here and i was reading and listening to music all day Mm. listening to live albums it it really at a certain point it was like um Jeez, this is a lot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it it was a lot, and there was, of course, our homework from last week that we had to do on top of that, um, and then trying to keep up with new music. We are sort of ruining our lives doing this show. Yeah, um, I mean, and for what? But <laughs> for for abs for absolutely nothing. I will say, um, I'm I'm having I'm having fun. I had fun listening to these albums. I agree. Uh, but I think that we are, you know, we're at the year end, so we're trying to do some. Some year-end type of stuff because I think that's just fun, even yeah. if you know it is all kind of, you know, meaningless talking <laughs> when you get into talk. Just like once we get into you know ranking albums or anything, that that gets all a little. Sure, I mean I think everything we do here is is meaningless, probably, right? Well, um, yeah, but it, it's it's fun. But th- this week in particular, listening to all these live albums made me realize like this is this is difficult yeah it's a huge undertaking and and i will say as well i mean uh i think we both are listeners of the show indiecast i forgot that they had also done an an episode about live albums pretty recently when i had that idea um so kind of stole it from them i don't know i think it's fine though i guess so i (laughs) I think it's fine it's it's fine um because i mean we've got some really just biting analysis of what live music is in that's general. the thing they're sort of um, they're a couple of um they're just a couple of dudes you know and we're real critics we're real journalists about music and we're gonna bring real hard-hitting analysis whereas they just sort of had some you know bullshit nonsense to say right would you agree with that yeah I, I probably that's true <laughs> <laughs> um so i mean we got a lot of talk about this episode we should probably get into it how are you doing did you have a good week uh well i mean i guess uh my partner and i are in a little bit of a the middle of a little bit of a 
good scare. Uh, but that's not really fun to talk about. And I guess since you live with us, you're also in the middle of that. Um, yeah. I but uh, I think maybe the more pressing matter is uh, I cooked dinner earlier and I did bite my tongue while trying to eat it. And it to the point that it bled um, and I think is still bleeding as we are talking right now. And so I can feel that in my mouth. That is sort of keeping me, um, you know, I, I that's uh, – well, it hurts, I guess is what I'm saying. It hurts. I bit my tongue and it hurts. I'm sorry to hear that. That's terrible. That's no one ever likes that. Uh, yeah, it's it's not great. Um, I'm sorry. That's how are you doing? Kind of. A, um, I'm pretty good. You know, it's Sunday, so. <laughs> OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about your tongue, though. <laughs> Me too. Uh, we, we really should just just jump right into it, though, because we have like I think more than we can possibly talk about in this episode to talk about. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, well, I guess we should touch on there was some music that's of note that came out. Yes. A few days prior to us recording. So I did get a chance to listen to a few albums, uh, two in particular that mm. I have been listening to the Avalanches album and the Taylor Swift album. Yes. I don't know what have. Have you been listening to either of those? I have listened, been listening to both of those and one other new release. What's the uh, other one? The JPEG Mafia EP. Actually, I listened to that once as well. Um, yeah, so that's been my main. That's really all the new stuff I've listened to this week. All right. So I guess <laughs> you have any thoughts about any of that <laughs> stuff? No, I just figured I'd list them. Uh, no, the, the Avalanches uh, is something I did not – I for some reason did not have in my head when it was supposed to come out. I just knew that it was coming and I'd been keeping up with the singles they'd been dropping mm -hmm. throughout the year and I'd liked all the singles. So I was very excited. And then the other day I just saw that it was out. Um, so I listened to it and it's great. It's more avalanches, right? I mean, I love it. I, you know, I, uh, same, they have been releasing singles all year, but it was never really in my head. Like, Oh, there's a whole album coming soon. This kind of came out of nowhere for me. Uh, it wasn't really on my radar. And then I was super excited. A lot of the songs I'd already heard because they were singles this year. But I saw like the big track of features, which is kind of new for them to have such a such stacked features mm. on an album. Yeah, um, I feel like they started to go in that direction on Wildflower right, in 2016. But, but it, I, yeah, I think not to the extent absolutely as on this album. Extent, yeah. And for the most part, uh, really delivered. I feel like sometimes you see an album like that and it's kind of padding a project that is not super developed, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, the Ty Dolla Sign from this year comes to mind, mm. even though I do like that album. Uh, I think that it is carried by a lot of features. On this one, I don't think that is really the case. I think they play to what the Avalanches are doing, which is creating, at this point, just really great pop music. I mean, and really. And, well, and you know what? I'm going to jump on that Ty Dolla Sign thing for just a second to say that. Um, I think that he he gets my he gets my permission to do that because he has been the feature to save so many other artists' songs. Listen, yeah, I'm not trying to talk <laughs> down on Tidal Sign. I think Yeah, I'm just saying he's a he's, he's a classically great feature. Yeah, for um, sure. So and, and that is kind of the idea behind that whole project, right? The album from yeah, this year. Yeah. So it's fair. But any anyways. Yeah, sorry, I completely derailed you. No, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm interested to hear what you have to say because I just think that this stuff makes me so happy. It's such sort of like euphoric sort of pop music that just is makes me want to dance, and I love it. Absolutely. It's 
uh, it's grooving and moving. Um, I think it's really great. I feel like I haven't had enough time to sit with it yet uh, to to give my full thoughts. And it's unfortunate that it came out so late in the year, so close to when we're doing our year in stuff, because um, it'll be hard to sort of digest it and, and think about it. Um, uh, I think we're good. <laughs> we have some technical <laughs> difficulties there. All right. Well, maybe we'll edit out a couple seconds later. Uh, and maybe you won't hear this, uh, listener. But... Um, yeah, so as I was saying, this this is a sizable Avalanche's record, as their records usually are, um, and so it I think it will be difficult to digest it and know where to where I'm I'm feeling uh, with it uh, at the end yeah. of the year. But that being said, I do think it's very good, and I do think it is exciting the idea that there will be more frequent Avalanche's records going forward, um, because yeah, I think that there is there is a clear progression from their first record um i mean i feel like we had no idea where they were going to go on their second record when mm -hmm. we found out that that was happening in 2016 um but then it feels like there's a clear evolution from that record to this one um and sure. so i i feel yeah. very excited to see where they go next because it, this record does feel like classic avalanches in a lot of ways you can you still get that avalanches feeling that sort of breezy sampley um yeah kind of jubilant feeling but uh it, they definitely take it in new places uh which is exciting to me it is super exciting and yeah i do think that i worry about that the avalanches are going to take it kind of hard that they're not going to be on my year end list but you know <laughs> i i do worry about their feelings yeah i right now i'm just happy that it's out i'm just having a lot of fun with it so it's definitely something that you know hasn't really sat with me yet it's just it's very exciting and i love that they're an artist that's just kind of putting out albums on the regular now. I think that's awesome. Mm. For you know, it seemed like they were just going to be a one and done type of deal for a little bit. Yeah, and they're not, and it's great. I love it. Makes me happy. I love it too. So moving on, Taylor Swift, Evermore, secret album, sister album, <laughs> comes out, <laughs> shocks the world. Yeah, can. Oh my God! Yeah. Slaying like yeah, uh, and and might I say yes, Queen? Um, yes, and and uh, yeah, absolutely, slay slaying. Um, you like this album? <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, I listened to it. It feels like more of the other album she did. Folklore, right? You big folklore guy. I wouldn't say big. It's also fine. Yeah. It's it's more of the same to me. Not a huge um, Taylor Swift fan uh not really know. i'm not a i'm not a hater either um really yeah i, I guess i am a hater of some aspects do of you her think is this stuff like career. taylor swift stuff that you're like significantly more interested in than what she's been doing for the past couple years or well i so yes i think that it is because largely because of who she's working with makes me interested in it right, exactly. um which is what she's I, f I feel a little bit pandered to because that's what she's going for i think like by working desners with yes and, the uh, desners and boney bear yeah. um and of course my idol jack antonoff um yep hey, <laughs> love love some jack antonoff sure i hey i just want to get better um uh good song but yeah that is that is a good single um the right evermore is is i think 
there was there were some good songs and there were some songs that really left no impression on me at all. Um, so it's it's a little bit middling overall for me. Um, and my, most of my interest in it is just I like to try to listen to everything that uh, the Desners work on because sure. I'm a bit of a national completist. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my main angle of interest in this. And yeah. I, I think the album's fine overall. Yeah, I agree. I think it, I think it is, I think it's good. I think it's like very pleasant, uh, pretty music to listen to. Sure. Uh, for me as someone who has historically been a Taylor Swift fan, that maybe 1989 was the peak of my interest in her. Uh, but this, uh, the folklore and this one, I think it's very pretty music i think that the piano arrangements are nice i think that you can definitely see the desner's influence and it is nice to listen to but just gets pretty repetitive like even listening to this album a few times and i felt the same way with folklore that it just kind of blends together there's a lot of just sort of twinkly piano arrangements laid over with our taylor swift sort of pop songs layered over which is nice, but it doesn't do a ton for me. It's just really well-produced sort of coffee shop music is how I feel about it. Yeah. And I feel like it is music that's kind of made in a lab to appeal to me because I do mm -hmm. like Taylor Swift. I do. I love Bon Iver. I love The National. But it all just comes together in a way that is maybe too polished. I don't know. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. I had that feeling as well. I feel a little bit pandered to um <laughs> yeah and I because well and because like taylor taylor swift okay <laughs> taylor swift is like i mean there's there's a big part of her narrative as an artist i think is that she has always approached her art like a business person you know what i mean like even yes there's there's this whole like it's everyone's narrative dream amongst people who, <laughs> uh huh. There's a musician that acts like a business person. <laughs> yes, um, she she brings art and commerce together in a way no one has before, other than maybe Jimmy Buffett. Um, mm. uh, and <laughs> absolutely, um, but uh, what was I saying? Taylor Swift, right? She uh, <laughs> she approaches. She has always approached her art like a business person, and that, that is, like, a big part of her narrative, and I think that she's still very much doing that. It feels like she's making very intentional choices with how she is presenting herself with each new album cycle, and this is her cottagecore thing. This is her uh, trying to appeal more than ever to to the indie yeah. scene, um, which she's been trying to do since 1984, right? that's been her whole thing since 1984 basically is trying to appeal to indie kids uh trying to appeal to pitchfork and, and i believe it's 1989 1989 sorry 1984 mr orwell <laughs> okay uh, uh you caught me <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm i'm george orwell <laughs> um i know where to go with that i have not read 1984 well yeah yeah we could have just moved on from it but now we've lingered a bit uh, yep <laughs> i yep i sat in it and that's good um but you think uh, she's been trying to appeal to indie kids since 1989 yeah. i think sort of she's just kind of been trying to cast off she's she's been on her like i do not want to be perceived sort of thing like 
if mm. you, you understand what me- she means like she followed up in 1989 her may arguably her best album uh with very good pop songs i agree with reputation which was just sort of a hey fuck you like yeah except except instead of saying fuck you it's more like hey fudge you yeah like that's sort of the level that it's on i don't fit in your little cookie cutter pop star yeah cookie it's like portugal the man rebel for kicks or whatever like yeah uh so i was not a fan of that and then yeah lover i don't was just all right so i don't know maybe maybe you're right but i think definitely with the folklore and the evermore that's what she's trying to do and i will say the same with as folklore. One of the highlights on the album for me was the Bon Iver feature. The mm. I would be open to just a, a collaboration album or EP between the two of them. That's something that I would listen to. That would be cool. That I would just eat up. That is pandering to me, you know. But I feel like either I want that or I want her to lean more into her pop writing, pop song writing uh, abilities because. There's too many. I don't like the ballads on these albums. Is one of my problems. It kind of bogs it down for me. Yeah, I tend to agree. I there is one. I I did a bad job taking notes. I should have written down exactly what song this is. But there's one song on here that mm-hmm. just has a very it extremely simple piano line. Almost the whole song. It's uh, just. You it's could just be talking about so many songs <laughs> from this album. It's just four <laughs> chords, and it's the same chords as as and tempo as just a million other songs to the point that I was listening to this in my car and just humming the melody to other songs yeah. uh, that fit right into it. Like it had the same, I think it was the same chords as uh, demons by imagine dragons mm, um, okay. and the exact same chords and tempo almost. Sure. Um, and just like, I have no problem with simple songwriting. I have no problem with minimalism, but you got to, do something with that uh it feels like she's going for a minimalist approach to a lot of these songs but you gotta actually do some work to write an interesting song need a little bit more yeah it's a little they're kind of skeletal i don't know yeah Um, i like matt berninger on here yeah good national feature the features are good the high yeah uh time is also good so good features overall solid album but just could use a little bit more i agree yeah and it's uh, an hour long and we should uh move on we should we need to because <laughs> we have too long talking about that we, the big topic for the week live albums of 2020 that no one bet you better not be going to any concerts out there uh no yep. one's going tisk no one's going to any concerts this year so we have retreated to live albums yeah, and it seems like artists have too. That's sort of why we're doing this episode. Is it seems like there is a, a a greater amount of interesting live albums than there normally is each year. Yeah, um, that might be true. I I feel like in the past I have not paid attention to live albums that's coming fair. out. It's been sort of a thing that I've gotten into really within the past few weeks. Once I started listening to them and realizing that they could fill a little bit of a hole inside me that concerts once filled uh once i realized that i was getting some similar things out of them i was excited to take a dive into these live albums but in past years you know i just i I don't know whether or not there's been significantly more this year but i do think that the ones that have come out have been very good there's been some hard hitters Mm. as far as the live albums coming out absolutely 
There's been some very good ones. Yes. Um, so I would say two, two of these that we're going to talk about, I would say are probably two of my favorite live albums of all time. And I was pretty into live albums in like middle school and high school. Sure. Sure. Uh, DMB. I'm sort of lapsed, but yep. DMB. Absolutely. DMB baby. Um, some OAR. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I listened to live albums by then. I don't, did they have any? Oh, I had uh, a live album by OAR. It oh, I a, did too. I did too. It was too. a big yeah. like box set, like four four disc right. live album with sort of a brown cover. I don't know. I think okay. it was, I think it was more blue. Okay, <laughs> I believe you. Uh, <laughs> we should move on to talking about what we're here to talk about. Uh, which uh, do you wanna? Is there a specific uh, angle you wanna? You wanna take a crack at this with or? Yeah, place you want to start? I was gonna ask you because we didn't really talk about how we're gonna do this. We just have a bunch of live albums that we listen to. Too many, yeah. Too so many. Like we can't just cycle through them. I guess we should talk about the ones that we had strongest reactions to. There are a couple that are my favorites that we've already talked about on this podcast: Live Drugs and Deaf Heaven. We've Absolutely. already talked about. So maybe we should not open up by talking about those, even though I do want to return to them. Mm. Um. Uh, one of, <laughs> I guess, you know, one of my favorites, if we just want to go through some highlights real, start that way off. <laughs> start off. Th- yep. <laughs> if we want to start off that way, yeah. going through some highlights. Okay. I will open it up talking about the Arctic Monkeys live at the Royal Albert Hall. This rocks. I have been, this is the one of the ones I've been putting on over and over again to listen to that has made me want to be there at this show i've been listening to arctic monkeys live at the royal albert hall all week a lot i have also listened to it a few times Ooh, (laughs) yeah uh and and i tell you what uh it's a fucking banger that's that's Alex, Alex that's Turner? M- it's me Alex Turner on the pod Alex Turner I'm here my name is Alex Turner just to say tell us that your album is a fucking banger it's a fucking banger mate I gotta go now bye oh wow that was somebody was threatening me within an inch of my life to leave this podcast recording <laughs> <laughs> wow he's he's quoting a thing that he said on the live album wow, sort of that was that was really neat <laughs> it's that great to have such a talent in the room with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, thing is great. I mean, I'm a huge Arctic Monkeys fan, so it kind of fits in with the trend that I think is just true of live albums. That if it's won by a band that you love, then that's really all you need to enjoy it to really have a good time with it. Same with going to a concert from a band you love. But I will say, this is them playing excellently you know i I feel like they bring things out of songs that weren't there before like even songs that i'm not a huge fan of the studio recordings of Mm. on this album i'm really getting into knee socks uh yeah i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i gotta be honest i was giving you that look because i was thinking about something unrelated oh okay yeah Please continue. Well, now I'm totally just taken aback. What? <laughs> I'm very sorry. Very unprofessional of me. Yeah, you're giving me a weird look. <laughs> I don't know. I, what do you have to say about this album? <laughs> I think 
Oh my god, I'm falling apart here. I don't know <laughs> what is wrong with me this record. I can't keep it together. This is um I think I'm just starstruck because we had Alex Turner in the room. Um yeah. It was I think that this that that Arctic Monkeys live at the Royal Albert Hall is a very good live record and I actually don't I don't love Arctic Monkeys as much as you do. Um I like them. Definitely I'm, not. I am historically a fan of them, but not n- nearly to the degree that you are. Um, yeah, they're one of my favorite bands. So sure, uh, yeah, and not not the case for me. Yeah. Um, but I, but I do like them, and I do like this album a lot, and I totally agree that they they play these songs with such energy um, that it makes me like some Arctic Monkeys songs that I did not like that much before, and that's really exciting. I think when it when a live album can do that. Yeah, I think that's like what it, you this want from a live album, you know? Absolutely. And it's this record I think really focuses on their last two records. AM, output. Yeah. And, AM uh, and uh, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. Yes, <laughs> those two. Um it it they mostly play a lot of songs from those records. Yes. Um, which are my two probably least favorite Arctic Monkeys records. Sure. Um and so to hear those songs in, in this live context and feel like, man, not only do I think am I like now convinced that if I saw this live I would really enjoy the show, but also I'm just enjoying it even in this context. I don't even have to be there because this live album is really good. Yeah. And it's well recorded. And we'll talk about it in a minute. There's a couple live albums that we listened to this week that I think, you know, not all live albums are well recorded. Yeah, and that is something that I've discovered. It's pretty important, you know, a good mixing <laughs> on a live album yeah, can really turns out yeah, take you out of it. Even if it's a band that you love playing yeah. great songs, it's got to have a good mix. This is a great mix. I really loved hearing all the songs from Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, an album that I've really turned around on that I was not huge on when it came out. Mm. I've really been enjoying this year, and I think they're all great performance of them. I think that Alex Turner, I've just been – I used to be – I mean, I used to have a huge crush on Alex Turner, like back in, you know, high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not something I (laughs) really think about a lot anymore. But listening to this live album just really totally wrapped up back in Alex Turner. I think that his voice is just incredible. Yeah. And his little, little quips he mm-hmm. says at the beginning of the tracks it's just like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> man like but yeah they are often nonsensical <laughs> um he seems to me like a a bit of uh an insane douchebag but absolutely i also can't like there's something undeniably charismatic oh. about it yeah like it it's, is sexy ugh. it works <laughs> and i sort of hate that it works but it totally works certainly does so we should probably move on from talking about this album yeah do you want to talk about another uh highlight <coughs> of this experience for you uh yeah 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 i'll talk about sort of a quick one um which is the nils from record um i really like nils from the composer songwriter he does music for movies as well sometimes I don't know. He seems to do a lot of stuff. Um, and I, he does a, a lot of stuff that I don't have. I don't always have the time to keep up with. Uh, but every time I do check back in with his career, he's always doing something that I really like. Mm. And this is no different. Um, I put this thing on for the first time while I was playing 
a game that I've been playing a lot recently, Subnautica. This music went along perfectly with what I was doing in the game at the time, which just enhanced the experience. Um, I, I think that this is a really beautiful, beautiful record. Um, it is not, you know, it's definitely not as immediate as something like uh, Arctic Monkeys Live at the Royal Albert Hall. It's not going to grab you in quite the same way, but I think if you're in the right headspace, the right context for listening to it, it's a, it's a really beautiful thing. So that's that's really all I have to say about that one, but I did really enjoy it. Yeah, I listened to this one as well. I listened to it last night, and <laughs> it, it was it was good. Nosefrom is not someone who I've listened to a lot, so it just kind of was background music for me, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. I thought it was good. And very clean recording, I will say. It's something that mm -hmm. you're listening very to, crisp. and you kind of forget that you're listening to a live recording mm. until you, you, know, you hear the... the yeah, the that thing this, the that people do with their hands. <laughs> yeah, that's what that was. It was clapping at the <laughs> end. Um, but yeah, it was it was great. Great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you want to talk about another one or or? Uh, yeah, this was a great time I had this week. Was listening to the Eagles live from the Forum. Hmm. M M X. E I I I is the name of the album. Great. Some sort of number. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, I was I put this on to have some background music while I was editing the podcast earlier this week, thinking that this is something I don't really care about that much that I can just have on in the background and ended up getting totally distracted by it all the time. I was stepping away taking my headphones off to mm -hmm. listen to the eagles play the hits <laughs> take it easy absolutely sure one of these nights uh what is the tequila sunrise or yeah tequila sunrise yep it was great and y you heard some of it as well we were having a good time listening to the eagles i did absolutely i gotta say i did hear the eagles come uh, sort of wafting from your bedroom uh <laughs> as i think i was cooking dinner that night um and you uh, came out into the living room uh, for whatever reason, and, and you were blasting the Eagles pretty loud, and so <laughs> we could we could hear it uh, with high fidelity, uh, great clarity, um, and we ended up just sort of sitting there and talking and, and listening to multiple Eagles songs, just sort of standing there in the kitchen. Well, did um, you have a problem with this? It sounds like you, you were annoyed that I was doing this. No, no. What <laughs> I'm setting up is that it turned out to be great. I was very skeptical of of listening to a bunch of Eagles songs because this thing is like what, like two hours or something yeah, long? Yeah, it's like two hours, like in ten or twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. And I I will say I'll get to some of I listened to some of that length as well, um, which I'll get to. But I will say at least in the context of dipping in and out of it and and hearing the songs I kind of wanted to hear from this thing uh and they're great there's no den i think that the the eagles hits are undeniable for the most part that's they've got an incredible catalog of hits the yep. the b-sides the album tracks the deep cuts everyone knows them kind of disposable but the 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 hits are are pretty undeniable especially that's my favorite tequila about, sunrise yeah that's what i always think about the eagles is like the best songs are probably the hits you know you ever think you ever think that about the Eagles? Yeah, and there's another band I've been. Th I I don't think that this has ever been said before, 
But I think when it comes to the Smiths, you really gotta love those singles. They're just not that much of an album band. You gotta love those singles. I mean, that's not it's not really that funny, I don't think, because it's <laughs> just not like jokes <laughs> should be based in the truth. <laughs> and there's just not a lot of truth to that claim, but I will say it's called Best of Eagles for a reason. It's <laughs> <laughs> that is well, hey, and you you're you're really ripping into me there, but the that is the common sort of perception. That is the people think that about the Smiths. Yeah, absolutely. Because the Smiths have such great albums. Though. I'm not even I'm not even talking shit, but like that is that is the common perception of them as a band. Um, it's, it's just the hits, huh? Yeah. I mean, feel free to look into it on the internet. Not right now. That's great. I thought everyone liked the Smiths and thought they were cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are very popular. People like them a lot. We can't get into this. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I think I think people see them more as a singles band than an album All band. All right. Well, I just wanted to say about the Eagles is I ended up getting wrapped into this. It, it, this was recorded in 2018. I figured out that is what the number on the cover is. It's the Roman numeral for 2018. Beautiful. Um, that's when this was recorded, and you know it's not the original lineup or anything, but they played a great show. They delivered on all the hits. I was, you know, doing an air guitar in my room. <laughs> well, I was by myself. No one else was here. I was Very just cool. doing it <laughs> and rocking out to this album. The Eagles, they're a cool band. That's yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, let's uh take a quick break i have to pee okay uh we're back great we're back <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah and we're back from break and we're going to talk more about the live albums of 2020 that we've been listening to uh we just finished talking about uh <laughs> we talked about the eagles man we talked about the eagles <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> I literally <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> talked to you off air about what we just talked about. Uh, <laughs> I really can't. I cannot keep it together. But what I want to talk about next is I want to talk about a pair of records um, that I think are a little bit of a piece, a little bit uh, take a similar. Yeah, that's uh, right. We're talking about the Pixies live <laughs> at no. Brixton. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Two volumes they released this year. <laughs> Did you listen to that? I tried to. Really, um, there's a good example of a bad mixing ruining a um, a live set. Just mm. really muddy recordings. Did we, not enjoy it. Uh, we saw them together live. We did see the Pixies at Orlando Calling. Yep. The, <laughs> the, the, the incredible um, festival that is still going to this day because of how good and successful it was. Yeah, the music festival that they did once and then <laughs> never did again. We saw the Pixies there and... Uh, the Killers. Hey, they were good. The Pixies, I think that they're, they were still capable of like doing a good live show. The Pixies roll. Yeah, Pixies were good. But this, you know... That was just a little goof because those albums are not good. They came out this year. Yeah. But I am going to talk about uh, a pair of records, the first being uh, Ockerville River's live album from this year, and the second being Bell and Sebastian's live album from this year. Um, and the reason I'm, I'm pairing those up to talk about is that they both have a sort of loose feeling to them. Um Wait, what was the first one you said? I'm sorry. Ockerville River. No, what was the second one? I mean, Bell and Sebastian. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they both have sort of a loose feeling. They're both a little, 
a little raucous, a lot of stage banter, uh, yeah. and talking to the crowd. Um, and, uh, I, that is the sort of approach to live records that I really liked when I was younger. Sure. And I find that I like it a little bit less now. Um, even though I do think that both of these records do it pretty well. And I think that they both have what what I what makes these two interesting to me in that approach is that they feel like a celebration of those bands and a celebration of their fans. Sure. Um especially the Ockerville River record um is a retrospective. It's it's songs played at a bunch of different shows over the course of their career. Right. Um which which makes it kind of fun. And the Bell and Sebastian um, is a combination of a two different sort of tours yes one of which was maybe on a cruise or one something of, it sounds like one of them was a cruise tour which is interesting to me yeah but they are good recordings like they are good recordings that's that's another thing i want to speak to which is especially some of the early Ockerville river stuff is not really even good recordings yeah uh, i did notice that i was <laughs> a little overhearing rough. some of it while you were listening to it and i like Ockerville river so it's the same sort of deal where you're at a concert and you hear one of the songs that you know come on, mm-hmm. and you get excited, even if it's not a particularly great recording. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, this is cool, and yeah. I know the song, and I'm kind of humming along to it. But Bell and Sebastian, those were much higher quality recordings, definitely, and some definitely. Go- some good versions of songs that kind of expanded on the studio recordings. Yeah, I will say that in in Ockerville River's defense, I mean, obviously. They probably didn't have a lot of money to be recording these songs in the early days. Um, and and this record, I think, really is for the hardcore Ockerville River fans. Um, yeah. Which, which I kind of appreciated as a little bit of an outsider. I do like them, and I have listened to records over the years, but I have not listened to every record they've ever put out or anything like that. I have a fondness for them as a band, um, and I definitely knew some of the songs, but not all of them. But I really did enjoy as an outsider looking into that experience, I, there was a lot of heart to it. And I felt like there, the people who were at those shows seeing Ockerville river live seemed so excited yeah. and brought so much energy to it that I sort of felt excited with them. Um, which is a cool thing. Um, and maybe it's just that I'm so deprived of live music experiences this year that I'm feeling that way. And maybe I'm a little bit desperate for that connection. I don't know, but I, I it really was exciting to me, especially as it got on into the the later 2010s era of Ockerville River shows. I was more into it. Um, and, and, and yeah, I think that the Bell and Sebastian thing, especially the what sounded like the, the cruise ship shows, um, I mean, that's obviously a thing where, you know, super fans of Bell and Sebastian are at those recordings. Right. Um, and they, they, I mean, it's, it's kind of electric how excited they are. And how much the band feels like they're just sort of, it feels it feels like going down to the pub and seeing your friend's band play, but your friend's band is like one of the best bands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and so that that to me was very fun, and and I really liked both of these albums because of that. I don't know that I'll go back to, especially the Ockerville River one. I don't think I'll go back to it a lot going yeah. forward. But it was a cool experience to to have. Um, yeah, sure. That sounds like a good time. I like releases like that. I feel like I would listen to a bit of both of these, not the whole thing. And they were just too long for me to really sit through everything. The so, Sebastian one's only like an hour and a half. Oh, really? I think so. I think I just didn't have time to listen to it today. Sure. Maybe I'll finish that one up because I listened to about the first half. 
and was it's really good. And they got some real bangers in the back end. Okay, sure. And Bill and Sebastian is a band I like a lot. So yeah. that's one where it really appeals to me. Just I want all of my favorite bands to come out with these sort of live box sets that are just collections of live recordings. I I've really been enjoying it. Absolutely. And I think it is really cool when it's a band that you really love and you know the songs really well to hear a new version of them can sort of open them open that song back up to you a song that you might not want to listen to really anymore yeah at least it does that for me sometimes oh absolutely um, that's something that's been happening a lot throughout you know all these albums i listened to uh david bowie's um dallas 95 album he yep. had two live albums come out this year and i am a big david bowie fan so i figured i would check this one out this was part of the tour for outside yeah. um which he did with Nine Inch Nails, uh, was opening for him. And he actually said that at the time, it seemed that it was mostly Nine Inch Nails fans coming to these shows. And a lot would even leave before he went on and did his set. That after Nine Inch Nails played, people would leave. Whoa. And then David Bowie would play. He was touring outside. He didn't want to like go on some big tour and just play the hits. He wanted to tour the album outside. So... The like front half of this set is filled with songs from outside, which I think are better than the recordings from that album, but mm. still not all that good. Like some of them are pretty rough. Yeah, just not, not great songs. But when he gets into the hits, I'm loving it. Even David Bowie in 1995 playing "Teenage Wildlife," uh, which is my favorite David Bowie song. It just wow was great. Big reveal. <laughs> that's a big reveal. Of my favorite <laughs> David Bowie song is Teenage Wildlife. I think that's just uh, sort of the thing with live albums is even if it's from a time period that's not particularly interesting to you, mm -hmm. if it's an artist that you love, especially now, you can just be transported to a big stadium show in 1995 where David Bowie is playing songs from outside and yeah. then slips in a big hit and you're there and you're loving it like you want to be there yeah i do right now Absolutely. i would love to be <laughs> seeing david bowie play some shitty songs from a 90s album <laughs> that sounds great to me right now <laughs> <laughs> it would be it would be wonderful and i do i totally agree with you because i think i don't know if i need that for every artist but for an artist as uh significant and that i've loved as much as i have loved david bowie over the years it is cool to like have one of those shows from a, a period that's considered sort of lesser uh, in his career. It is cool to to like you said be transported there and to to feel what that energy was at that time. It's yeah. it's sort of surreal and 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 just cool. Um, it is cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. Um, like I said, some of these some of these songs are pretty rough, but some of them are really great. And and yeah, the back half is great. I don't know why under pressure. There's two different versions of it I on think here. There's like a, a version, a different live version, maybe tacked on at the end. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, it is. A, it is a different version. I yeah. Do yeah. Kind of strange. Um, under um, pressure. huh? And my and my former favorite David Bowie song is on here. New Age Daydream. That's what I was going to guess. Yeah. Um, mm. I, I don't know that it is anymore. I don't know that I can name what it would be right now off the top of my head. Let's uh, just say Moon Age Daydream then. 
And yeah, I love that one. That's so your favorite David Bowie song. Sure. Huh? <laughs> it's I, good that's ver- what I said for many years. It's a good version of that song. Yeah, it's really good. It is just fun. He gets all the kind of crappy outside songs out of the way and then just like rips through some hits. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And the hits are, I mean, it's exhilarating. He's great. It's an exhilarating listen. <laughs> David Bowie, Dallas 95. <laughs> album of the year um you want to talk about another live album you've been listening to um well i guess so we can talk about uh i think maybe you can take the helm on this one a little bit more than me even but i'll just touch on real quick i did listen to the postal service live album i thought you were gonna say another one that i'm really chomping at the bit to talk about oh okay well i apologize um Um, but this is this is another great one i really enjoyed this one i really like the postal service a lot um obviously they don't have an incredibly deep catalog to dip into for a live show yeah i mean it's just one album the album that they've done is what they do yeah uh but but i and and that album is very you know it has a pretty strong electronic bent to it um which does not always lend itself to great live performances um especially with an with an artist that is not i mean ben gibbard is not an incredibly charismatic front man always no, i wouldn't say that's one of his strengths um, if i'm being honest <laughs> and i love ben gibbard but i will say that this album not only overcomes those things uh it it kind of excels i think it's really fun to listen to um it, it's great i mean uh this album is easily one of my favorite albums of all time the postal service album yeah i really love all the songs and these are really just the energy on this album is great it feels like a show that i wish i was at yeah it makes me sad listening to it i wish i could be there There there's some covers on this that are really great of um what's I forget the name of the band, but it's an old indie pop band. There's a cover of a... Oh, God. I'm, I'm not going to be able to help you out here unless I look it up. Um, uh, just out of curiosity, was the album you wanted to talk about Bombay Bicycle Club? No, it was the Vampire Weekend EP. Oh, I have not listened to that. Oh, um, no. I thought you'd listen to it. No, I didn't have access to it. It's free on Amazon Music. Oh, you just have to free? download the app. Oh, man, I did not understand that. Did you say that to me the other day? I don't know, but that's disappointing <laughs> because it is so good. But Yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to check it uh, out then. Yeah, back to the Postal Service. Yeah. Um, this is one that I, I was definitely putting back on throughout the week just because I loved the songs, and I loved having the energy of a live show while listening to them. This is one where you definitely you hear the crowd. You know, not all the live albums that I was listening to was the crowd mixed in a lot. Hmm. But you hear the crowd singing along and cheering, but not in a distracting way on this album. It just really sucks you in and is a celebration of the Postal Service and one of the greatest albums of all time. Hmm. You know, I, I feel like the thing that always put me off about live albums before I've been like getting into them these past few weeks was that they are flawed you know they're imperfect Mm. you can definitely hear you're listening to ben gibbard and ben gibbard isn't 
hitting it quite like he does in studio recordings. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, a shaky voice. It's not always quite on key, but that is actually what I've come to love about live albums, especially when it's a band you love, like the Postal Service. It's nice to listen to those imperfect versions, just a continuous set of those songs, because it feels like you're there. You know, when Ben Gibbard is talking out of the crowd, you get wrapped up in it. This live album is definitely an example of why I think that there's like some we have a special interest in them right now. Yeah, and I think and I think that it's a it's a fine line to walk, right? Because there are live albums, ones that I've listened to this year even, that do not that have those imperfections, um, but don't have the right recording or the right energy to 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 where those make the album shine do you know what i mean right um and and i guess we'll talk about some of those in a second because there's a couple of them yeah uh, i think that really you want a band on a live album that sounds confident yeah i think that that is something that's actually very easy to pick up on is this a band that this is just a recording of some random show some set that they're just kind of you know, churning their way through it? Or is this a band that has been playing these songs for months and they're excited to get out there and just deliver a great show to people? I think you can pick up on that really easily. Mm -hmm. So I I think that that more than how perfect the recording is, because some of these that we listen to, the death hasn't comes to mind, they're pretty perfect recordings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even more than that, I think it just, what comes across is, what like, what's the confidence of this band? How comfortable are they playing together? Yeah. What's the significance of this show, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's, yeah, and I think that there's two, one of the things that, that this experience of listening to all these live albums so close together has has illustrated to me, at least, is that it feels like there's really two approaches to live albums that work which is the the sort of warts and all approach of like the Ockerville River record um or even this uh postal service record to an extent um and a lot of the live albums that I really liked when I was younger take that approach of like it's all about the energy it's all about feeling the liveness even if it sounds not so great it's all it's all about the energy and then there's also the other approach is to um like really really think about what you're recording and really produce it and be meticulous about the way it sounds um, sure like the death heaven or the live drugs right. and the death heaven one kind of became that out of necessity right like right that is kind of a special live album where they were going to do a tour right and then we're not able to do the tour i think that that is so the they case. did a more of a stu- they it's a it's a set, studio live album. But it's a studio live album. It's yeah. kind of Much like the Mountain Goats that came out. Sure. Where it was a special a stream um, came about due to special circumstances that has been released as a live album. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think, I think that's interesting. I think that the both of those are fantastic. And the arrangement, especially on the Mountain Goats, I didn't listen to the whole thing. But it does something that I really love and it will turn, you know, a two minute track into a seven minute track, something that the vampire weekend EP does as well, where there's Mm. just so much improvisation, so much jamming 
that it creates a very long jam session mm-hmm. out of a shorter song. Vampire Weekend, they do that with Sunflower in 2021. Yeah. Again, you got to listen to it. It's so good. I can't wait. I um, didn't realize I had the option to. But, yeah, Mountain Goats was doing that with I was hearing their arrangement of Fuel Turn 2 when mm-hmm. I was in there. And they just go in directions that you never even imagine there being space for in the studio recordings yeah but because they're so comfortable and living in these songs they're free to explore and it when you are at a show mm-hmm. it feels like sometimes you don't even know notice mm-hmm. how long that's going on for yeah and i felt the same way listening to these tracks as well off of the mountain goats and vampire weekend ones yeah. especially and that's another thing about the mountain goats record in particular i think is that even on that record in between songs they're they're talking to each other and and joking around and stuff and and even talking directly about how they are changing the arrangements and how it is even the energy is different on this live record compared to their normal live shows because they're not feeding off of a crowd's energy it has sort of a different thing where they're just having fun with each other making each other like happy making like playing with each other with their instruments you know what i mean and that is that is uh, a very fun energy that i as someone who's we've both seen the mountain goats a few times live um it it feels like a familiar experience of seeing them live which is comforting and great but it's also like they sound a little different than i'm used to them sounding live on this because they're in a studio and they're just playing with each other yeah absolutely um and and so that is really exciting really good record i like it a lot very wholesome yeah. I love it. And um shit. I don't remember <laughs> what I, what I was going to bring up after that. Um hmm. uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm totally blanking. I don't know. Do you do you have s- something else that you wanted to talk about? Well, I feel like I should talk about uh and this is again maybe one that you could you could you could be the headliner here a little bit in talking about oh this, boy. but I did just not long before we recorded, I listened to the Bombay Bicycle Club sure. anniversary tour recording, uh, live recording, uh, where they play their first album front to back. Yeah. Um, this this is a lot of fun. I think that that first Bombay Bicycle Club album, which is the anniversary of that they're doing, is yeah. one of the great indie rock albums of that time. I don't know that I would say like one of the great ones, but one of the ones that was just so solid and emblematic of that time and it holds up very well i love that bombay bicycle club album and i listened to this once through and it felt like they were just really having fun with that it was they were playing a show full of fans of that album and they kind of have an attitude that you know we wrote this album a long time ago and it was kind of even maybe a little bit shallow in parts but it really connected with a lot of people and we're just here to deliver on those songs. And they're great, you know, tightly written songs. I love it. Yeah, and I will just, I, I'm just going to say, this is not to dispute what you were saying in any way. I just, out of curiosity, looked up what other indie rock albums were coming out that same year. That This was the year of Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's It's Blitz, Becca Timest, the Grizzly Bear record, yeah. Meriwether Post Pavilion, the XXs. Well, okay, yeah, I know, I know. That's why I corrected myself. I, this is not like one of the great ones, but it is one that kind of. And I, again, I'm not talking shit on you for no, saying that. No, those <laughs> are. It was a great time for indie, whatever you want to call it. I don't know, alternative music. Yeah. That um, 
this is one that kind of gets forgotten because people just think Bombay Bicycle Club, you know, the couple hits they had. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the they were one of the really fun bands, like the Shins or something. Yeah, they were yeah. just coming out with really solid music that you can still get down to, baby. Sure. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but this is you're you're touching on what I wanted to get get to with what I was saying, which is that yeah, there were some classically great indie rock albums out that year i mean bitta orca the life of the world to come wolfgang amadeus phoenix uh album by girls um there's there was a lot of stuff why there are mountains cymbals eat guitars but list of albums it's really good albums post nothing hospice i could go on keep going baby (laughs) (laughs) but i shouldn't um i should have stopped some time ago but uh the this Bombay Bicycle Club record, this li- new live record, really showed me how great that original record was because I wasn't really familiar with it. I am one of those people who only knew the hits um, going into this thing and listening to it, to it today. I was having a blast. Yeah. It, it felt like truly, truly it felt like even though I didn't know most of the songs, I sort of felt vaguely nostalgic for them almost. It reminds um, you of a period of time. That it absolutely does. The Bombay Bicycle Club was reigning supreme <laughs> over over music. Everyone thought they were so cool. Absolutely, yeah. And you were so cool <laughs> if you listened to them. It takes you back. You could be at this Bombay Bicycle Club, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, you could be at the Bombay Bicycle Club <laughs> for sure. That's how it makes you feel. Um, be a part of the club back then. No, but it it these songs I think are really great. They really uh, and I think that there's a lot of records of that era that sort of feel like at the time and since have been kind of forgotten, have been kind of labeled as like sort of B level indie bands and sort of B level albums. Um, but I think that's a little unfair in this case. I think that these this is a really good set of songs and they're really well performed. 10 years later um and they still hold up they still sound like you know as good as anything local natives ever did they still sound as good as anything oh shots fired uh well no not at all i, I actually <laughs> like that band um uh but does that does that make sense does that track at all for you yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think the Bombay Bicycle Club gets swept under the rug. They actually had an album out this year. It's not too bad, honestly. Uh, so I think that this is a great reminder. It's sort of a time capsule, even though it was recorded recently. Manners by Passion Pit came out that year. <laughs> oh, gr- great album, eh? The Hazards of Love, The Decemberists. All right, uh, th- <laughs> you know... I don't know that this is necessary, okay? <laughs> Embryonic by the Flaming Lips. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. I mean, I'll stop. you know, great album. There's so many other albums that I listened to this week, but I don't know <laughs> what the benefit of like going through all of them individually would be. Right. I would say that uh, Japan Droids was a really great one. Sonic Youth. Uh, this was actually really exciting. There's not really been a release of Sonic Youth doing a live show, an official release at, at least, uh, doing a live show right after Daydream Nation came out. This was them doing a show in Moscow, uh, mostly songs from Daydream Nation, rock super hard. Definitely recommend that Sonic Youth release. Um, hmm. King Gizzard doing a show in 2016. 
tons of great songs. Yeah, it's what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it is, is exactly what it sounds like. Um but I don't know if you want to kind of if you have any sort of reflections after this week on what makes a great live album that you want to touch on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about it a little bit in that I, I've sort of come to the conclusion that there's two sort of successful approaches to live albums. Um, and I think that, so the way I'll approach talking about this is to talk about one more album that I haven't talked about yet, which is Halsey uh, also released a live album that I listened to this week. And it is also an anniversary show uh badlands live at webster hall i think which apparently she talks about in the show is where she got the name halsey from because she lived near webster hall uh ergo halsey um that's and it's pretty quirky yeah as and i tell you what everything about her is quirky as i found out from her stage banter um is this the first halsey release you've listened to this live album so i definitely knew some of i knew multiple songs that she played um at this show i was familiar with but i don't think that i've listened to a record of hers front to back and that's part of the reason that i don't want to sorry i don't want to trash this thing too hard but i do think that this is easily the least successful live album experience that i had this week uh it's really by far the weakest one I had a really strongly negative reaction to it, and it's because it really felt to me the whole time like it was an artist who was playing to a really huge crowd um, and who has a weird relationship with her fans where she feels like um, there's almost not so much a confidence. Like, confidence as a performer is good, but... It felt like there was at times like a weird self-effacement on her part where she would be like weirdly self-deprecating uh, just to then feed off the energy of the crowd, you know, telling her that she shouldn't be self-deprecating. And then in the next moment would be sort of uh, like expecting great mm. adulation from the crowd. It felt very weird and gross to me. Yeah, it sounds a little toxic to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to. <laughs> I, I I don't even want to go there, um, <laughs> but I just think yeah, she just had a really weird energy, and it felt like she was weirdly trying to be kind of like edgy at certain points, or sort of try to posture herself as like an important songwriter, but then in the next breath would be talking about how, you know, she feels like other artists that she admires are like made of stardust that she's not made of. Um, yeah, and it's just the whole thing was so off to me. The energy was so bad; uh, it felt just so hollow. Um, that sounds very uh, unenjoyable, unpleasant to me. That's why I didn't listen to it. I tried to. I put it on. Yeah, and I was like immediately like, I do not like this music. I don't like this mix. Of I could really hear the crowd just like going wild. Yeah, over the song, and so the first track. I was out. I yeah. was like, this thing is over an hour long. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm glad I didn't based off of that description of it. And it also, it includes the back half of this record is 
just the deluxe version of this original five-year-old debut album of hers, which is really bizarre to me because this is a celebration of that album. So you would think anyone who's listening to this already owns that or has yeah. access to it. Just bizarre choices all yeah, around. Creatively. That is strange to me. I'll, I'll say that this made me sure of one thing that I think I can be sure of coming out of this week is that it's if you're not a fan of an artist going into the live album, you're probably not going to like that live album. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's that's fair. I went into a live album of an artist that I didn't particularly like in the first place, but I will say I was trying to be open to it. Yeah, I was really sitting down and listening to it and and thinking to myself, I'm going to try to see what there is here. And it turns out for me, there was nothing there for somebody else. Maybe there is something. But um, for me, there was nothing there Yeah, for a Halsey fan. I'm sure. Why wouldn't they enjoy a live Halsey album? You know, sure. But just not enjoyable you know (laughs) there's so many live albums i will say my favorite one um we haven't even really touched on because we talked about it in a past episode oh well sure but did you uh did you want to give you were sort of prompting me to give some final thoughts about what makes a great live album did you want to speak to that at all yourself or yeah i mean i've I've kind of spoke on it. What I came to realize was that a confident band that's having fun, that's really all you need. Mm -hmm. I think that I enjoy it quite a bit when there's some improvisation in the mix, when you lengthen a song, when you have uh, all these different fills in them, all these little jam sessions in the middle of a song. I love that, but I don't think it's necessary. Even the ones that were just delivering basically recreations of the studio tracks i enjoyed quite a bit as long as i felt wrapped up in the energy of the live show even the dev heaven that's one of my favorite ones from this year Mm. not even a real live show but i was wrapped up in it uh, because they were having fun with each other they were rocking out playing these songs yeah and it was a celebration of all of their best songs of all what was bringing them up to that point I love that, whether it's the Eagles, whether it's Def Heaven, any band can do it at any point. I'm convinced now. I think that <laughs> live albums are the future, better than studio <laughs> albums. That's what I think after this week. They're here and they're here to stay. <laughs> yeah. We're never having concerts again, so it's just live albums. Um, yeah, I did get sick of all the extra noise coming in through live albums, just listening to them back to back. Yeah. It made me miss studio. <laughs> right after I just made the claim that <laughs> live albums are better than studio albums. It made me miss listening to studio recordings, all just the fuzz and For the sure. crowd sounds. I don't I don't think you can subsist uh, on live albums alone. I don't no. think that's any way to live. It it got to be torturous this week, yeah. if I'm being honest. Um, this is the first week where I have really – we've been listening to a lot of stuff for this show every week, but this is the first week where I really felt it. Yeah, I felt it, and I think that – probably comes through on this recording (laughs) um but it made some albums breaths of fresh air when they were really clean pristine recordings Mm -hmm. the best example for me was the nick cave album which we haven't really talked about because Mm. you had mentioned it a couple weeks ago i finally got around to listening to it um after digging into nick cave's back catalog over the past couple weeks i will say there Mm. were a few studio albums that i listened to in the lead up to this and this is just beautiful. As you said a couple of weeks ago, the piano arrangements are fantastic. And Nick Cave's vocal performance on this album 
is really just gut wrenching. Like it's his like voice, <laughs> you you just are listening to the strain of his voice. It's so mm-hmm. emotive, and it crushed me, like in ways that I just did not expect. This is probably the strongest reaction I had to a live album out of any of the ones I listened to, and I only listened to it once. But Nick Cave, oof, like yeah, I feel exactly so the same way. I feel exactly the same way. I was, I was really, really shocked by this thing going in as as somebody who didn't know his catalog that well. Uh, it really, and there's that moment at the end, at right after he ends one song, I forget which song it is, but he <laughs> he sort of gives this like, just like almost painful mournful sounding like laughter after he ends the song yeah and it's just it just cuts right through me i don't know what it is about him but the performances on this thing are just yeah uh kind of breathtaking nick cave I, i'm afraid of nick cave I, like, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i'm terrified nick of him cave has such control over my emotions I think, <laughs> uh, just listening to this album absolutely uh, can make yeah. me feel anything <laughs> it's truly beautiful I, I love this one yeah um but yeah that's really i don't know that i have any more summations of my experience this week i do have i think that this is our year-end live album 2020 episode i think we should crown the best live album of the year okay um, i have one in mind so i don't know if we just want to count down say it at the same time i'm sure we have the same one because we have perfect taste yeah uh, let's do that three three two one then say it yep okay and don't do a joke no i'm not going to okay <laughs> three two one live, live drugs. drugs. Ooh, wow. Give me some skin, brother. Oh, hey, that's we like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this I mean this thing, let's I mean we didn't talk about it all episode, no, but let's talk about but it. But I think now that we both we I just knew that this I, this was yeah. the best one of the year. I knew I've you been were putting gonna this agree. on for like the past month. I've just been laying back in bed listening to the live drugs play all the hits. Whew. This thing, ah, yeah, so I love it. I will, ju- I will just say, I think that this and the Nick Cave uh, live at Alexandria Palace will both be going down as as two of my favorite live records of all time at sure. this point. Wow, um, wow! I love them both so much, but this one is the best one of this year. I think that it's pretty much undeniable that this is the best live album to come out in twenty twenty. Live Drugs is fantastic front to back. It feels so meticulously produced in the same way that their studio albums do. Um, that it is just such clis- crisp, sorry, crisp, clean <laughs> recordings. <laughs> um, it's just fucking gorgeous front to back. I just love it. Yeah, it you is just so gorgeous. Sit there and 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 vibe out to this thing. Yeah, I like. I'm going to put it on after we finish this episode because just talking about it, it gives me chills. The guitars on this album, um, the way that they just – they get you to your core. I don't know. like I don't know what it is. I can't explain I can't it. Ex- it's like trying to explain magic. I can't even talk about this album. Yeah, and if you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't heard it, I mean, just go listen to it. And I, I think get that – Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's just like it it is it is sort of magical and it is just like I feel like an absolute dork like 
speaking so highly of this live guitar yeah, record, but it's it's it really is that good. It is that good. I've I've said it before. This is the album that if I ever have kids, I'm gonna sit them down. I'm gonna make them listen <laughs> to live drugs. And you gotta. You gotta. You gotta make them appreciate real music. Yeah. Um. And I really would recommend this to someone who has never listened to War on Drugs before. Mm. I would say just go ahead and listen to Live Drugs. It's got all their best songs, great versions of all their songs, and I think that. Listening to live drugs is self-care. That's what I think. Mm. It just makes me feel everything that's good. Hey, I endorse that take. Fully agree. Yeah. Don't do drugs. Listen to live drugs, Yeah. Baby. Please don't do drugs. <laughs> Please. We're begging you. We're begging you. Uh, oh does that wrap up our discussion of live albums? It better. It better. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I mean – you know, we're we're over an hour at this point. Right. So too long. Too long, but I had a good time. But sort of like a lot of these live albums. Yeah, they're very long. Listening to them was very taxing. So you know, I had fun though. It was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it looks like we're in for maybe another grueling week of listening <laughs> for the next week. Yeah, so we haven't really talked about this much maybe we'll talk about off air what we're going to do the next couple weeks but we're going to keep doing some year-end coverage discourse so i think real serious what might be fun to do for next week is there's all these year-end lists coming out it's always fun to kind of dig through them and see any great albums that you might have missed this Mm -hmm. year that just weren't on your radar or you never got around to for whatever reason so i think that maybe next week we will do some homework and listen to everything we may have missed just because we won't be talking about that when we do our discussion of our favorite albums of the year we do a little bit of that i always discover some great albums that way i think it'll be fun absolutely yeah let's do that all right um and good and with that i think it's probably time to move into the final segment of the show which is homework yeah oh boy so we both assigned each other homework last week it was light and I'll just start off with mine. I only listened to this album once. You asked me to listen to Samia. Yeah. And I did enjoy it. I just have to be honest that I was so preoccupied with all the other listening I was doing for the <laughs> week that I I, re- I listened to it once today while I was I was playing Apex Legends. I was listening to Samia. Yeah. And I think this is way up my alley. I'm glad you recommended it to me. I just cannot give much impressions on it other than that I enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> I was I was having fun listening along, but uh, like so many other thoughts have been going on in my head today. I can't give deep impressions of it. Yeah. I fully understand that. Um it has been a whirlwind of a week in a lot of ways, yeah. uh, but specifically with our music listening, so I fully get that and I uh, you know, I'll go ahead and just with that give you a grade on that homework and that's a uh I'll give you a B plus. Okay, wow. That's say uh, hey, I'll take that. I'll yeah. take that. Yeah, you know, I think you I had mean, a l- I, I truly said nothing about <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you had a lot on your plate this week. Um, so, you know. I could be lying for all you know based on what I said about no, that. No, I, I actually heard it coming from – I was cleaning earlier. Okay. And I was – yeah, I heard it coming from your room um, as I was cleaning on this side of the house. So uh, I do know for a fact that you listened to at least some of it. No, I listened to the whole thing, <laughs> and it is good. Um, good lyrics. 
yeah i think that she's a really intelligent songwriter and very funny if you uh for you sure know, take the time to pay I, attention tr- I truly to am um i'm glad you recommended this to me i'm excited to dig in a little bit more i'll do it within the next week uh as part of the larger project for the week yeah great um and i guess i'll go ahead and report on my homework from last week which i also did not devote maybe as much time and attention to as i should have either um which is you so i had to catch up on my previous homework which was listening to the backwash album uh and ep that uh, came out this year it was an optional listen. um yeah. i did so i really gotta be honest i did not pay attention when i listened to the ep at all that's fine um so i have very little recollection of that don't even worry about it um <laughs> but i did listen to the album uh and i gotta say this thing rules yeah i listened to it once and then it was over and i was like it's over already so i just put it on again hell (laughs) yeah i knew you'd love this thing i love it so much it it is it is the exact kind of uh rap album that i love which is one that is not too long and goes go just goes really hard and and evokes the sort of feeling of a great punk or hardcore record Absolutely. which is just it's in and out super fast and the songs don't need to be long because they hit so hard for the minute and a half to three minutes that yes. they're going um and i absolutely loved it. it 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 really evoked the feeling of listening to a lot of my f- absolute favorite punk records of all time mm. um i'm and, so glad and i i, I, knew, I, I knew you it. would dig this one so um yeah, so I, I and I'll have to check out that EP again because I'm sure it's also very good. I just for whatever reason was not really paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, this th- I mean this thing is fantastic. I love it. Um and then the other thing uh my my new homework from last week was to listen to I believe you called it the best car seat headrest lo-fi album. Yes. Uh, Monomania. Yes. Um shares a name with a Deer Hunter album. That is true. Which I think also has like a red and black kind of cover. That is also true. Hey, kind of weird. Um, Very fun. And and also has sort of a garage rocky sound. All right, let's. Th- what did you think about the car seat headrest? <laughs> yeah. I just I can't stop thinking about this. Um, uh, well, I'll say this: I like the Deer Hunter record more. Um, <laughs> Oof. Okay. Damn. Uh, it's um. So the car seat headrest. I did not listen to it a ton. I and I will I will actually go back to this because I liked it enough to go back to it, um, but I did not I did not love it. Um, I think that it's good. I think that he is a good songwriter. Um, I think that he is a pretty consistent songwriter throughout that period of his career. But I do think that there are there is lo-fi stuff from from Carsey Headrest that I like a little bit more than this probably. Um, but there's okay. some very good catchy songs on here, and I, yeah. I, I liked it. I just think there's a lot of heart put into this album, and I really love it. And, you know, because you disagree with me, I'm going to have to give you a C. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I figure that's a good a reason as any to give you a C. <laughs> um, wow, uh, after I was so lean, lenient on your grading. Yeah, fuck it. I, I figured, <laughs> well, we're just going to give each other Bs all the time. No. Yeah, you all right. You were, you're wrong about Monomania. You get a C, right. okay? Because yeah. you're wrong. That's how grades work, Buster Brown. Do you prefer it over the Deer Hunter record? I'm going to have to. <laughs> I, I do like that Deer Hunter record. That's Hey, that's a very good Deer Hunter record, yeah, okay? Yeah, great. Um, um, 
anyway, but I guess whoever whoever's uh, whoever's updating the good listeners uh, wiki page with uh, the list of the grades we get each week, and I know someone is out there doing that for sure. Someone's doing that. Uh, I just get a C this week. Um, yep, and well deserved. <laughs> it, that's a passing grade. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I really you like the ba- it. I'm, li- I'm glad you like the backwash though. So there's a lot of positive comments written in the margins of your assignment <laughs> in that particular <laughs> section, but unfortunately, it is a C uh, overall. And I mean, I do think that we have to wrap up. We are getting into almost an hour and a half, wow. so <laughs> um, we have to assign each other homework for next week. Yeah, I mean, I know that I'm planning on doing a lot of listening this week, so I'm expecting no less from you. So I will give you something in line with that. One of my favorite albums from this year is the Big Baby Scumbag album. The um, Big Baby Scumbag album. www.flexedupshoddy.com <laughs> um, Oh, that's very good. You know, so I'm going to tell you, listen, make sure you include that uh, for your, your year-end listening. Okay. It's one of my favorite albums of the year. Great. That's it? That's it. Wow. Um, well, this is, so what I'm about to tell you is going to feel like punishment after you gave me that. All right, wait, wait, I'm going <laughs> to give you one more album, okay? Uh, I'm going to give you one more. You listen to the Walter Martin album that okay. came out earlier this year, okay? Okay. Yeah, I, and I'll, I'll be excited to do that. Um, and still, what I'm about to tell you is going to feel like punishment after that, and also you giving me a C, uh, very undeservedly, in my opinion. Um, take it so to the dean, baby. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I I teased last week that I would be consistently touching in or touching base on the uh the the artist the 1975 going forward each week and obviously not doing that this week because we're so beyond out of time at this point. Um and also you haven't heard the record that I was going to talk about this week, which is I like it when you sleep for you are so beautiful yet so unaware of it. Um Aww. <laughs> their second album <laughs> um and uh i have some thoughts on that i'll be excited to know what you think of it but uh this week it's your dang homework bud you gotta listen to it great i'm um, super excited to listen to it <laughs> i love the 1975 you famously do um and then on top of that it is um so basically what i've assembled here is you don't have to listen to all of these i want to stress that you definitely do not have to listen to all of these but basically what I've assembled is a, a sort of sampler platter of, of metal albums that I've been enjoying this year. That they came out this year? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I think m- prob- most of which I don't think you've heard. Hopefully all of which I don't think you've heard. Um, and so what I've got for you is uh, I don't have the al- all the album names written down, but I've got the artist here, which is okay. the first one is Gulch. Yep. Um, that one's really breezy. It's like 18 minutes long or something. All um, right. And it's, and it's great. And then there's – so there's actually – and there's two live releases in here if you want some more live music. Um, so one of them is Panopticon's live album from this year, and the other one is Baroness's live EP at the BBC. I do like Baroness. This year. Um, so that's two live metal releases from this year. And then there's – yeah, I said Gulch. And then there's Code Orange. I really love the Code Orange that came out this year. Okay. 
Um, it's on my radar. And then there is Emma Ruth Rundle and Thou had a, a joint album, uh, I think maybe last month, um, that I enjoyed. And then there's one more, which is the artist Sumac. Um, okay. And that one, for some reason, the singles from it are on Spotify, but to listen to the whole album, you have to go on Bandcamp, I believe. Um, All right, yeah. Uh, but that one's real great. All right, listening to some metal albums this week. Yeah. All right, very exciting. Love um, that. Yeah, just because I thought I thought you know it seemed like you had maybe not been keeping up with that genre too much this year. Uh, it's a hard genre for me to keep up with. Yeah, I, I get I get overwhelmed with it. A lot of it's very yeah. scary to me. It um, is very scary, and a lot of it comes out every year. A lot of it. Yeah. But I, I do like uh, someone to just tell me the best ones, and I'll go listen to those. So, absolutely, I'll check it out. I'm excited. And it's been a weird year where some of the biggest artists that I normally look forward to releasing metal albums have kind of fumbled the ball a little bit. Paul Bearer, Elder, both kind of yeah, not Elder great. Yeah, Elder is not great. Not I great never, records. I never listened to that Paul Bearer, though. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, hey, stay tuned for next week. I'll... I'm going to listen to all of them. Wow. That's the clay guarantee. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Is that the end of the show? Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. Okay. Bye. All right, bye.